0: our names to remind people of God also. And uh, he steps on the scene in which Israel's in bad condition. Uh, there is a national separation. There is a uh, sinful continuation. There is a imitation salvation. It kind of reminds me of America and the condition that we're in. And uh, But I'm glad that the Lord has raised up some of his children <laughs> to give this world a witness. And what this world needs to know is that the Lord, he is God. And Elijah brings that to the children of Israel to remind them that God is still on the throne. And the way he does that is he lets them know that God has a word. God speaks. And uh, he showed them the word of the Lord. And this world needs to hear what God's got to say. And he will hear that through, uh, this world will hear that through his children. Thank God for his word that is alive. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. But then uh, we noticed last night he shows them the ways of the Lord. And of course we just simply summarize when he took them up on that mountain and took them to that sacrifice, basically what he was doing was he was pointing them to God's way, and God's way's always been a sacrifice, and that sacrifice has been the person of Christ. And the Lord allowed, even in our ways, the Bible said, in all thy ways acknowledge him. And there ain't no better way of acknowledging him than pointing folks to the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation. That's God's only way. God only has one way. And that is his son, that is his sacrifice. But tonight I want to move to chapter number 19, and as Elijah comes to the children of Israel, he shows them in a a contest who who the real God is. There's all kind of gods and all kind of kings roaming around down there, and he's showing them who the real God is. He has showed them the word of the Lord, he has showed them the ways of the Lord, but but tonight I want you to notice what I call the weakness, the weakness of the Lord. And someone would say, well, now wait a minute. I, God is not weak. No, we understand that he's not weak. But in his work, as far as this world is concerned, there is a weak link. And while Israel had all these gods and the Canaanites had all these gods and the Jebusites had all these gods, Each one would battle with each other and, of course, they would try to find the weak link of the other nation and they would attribute that to whoever their God was. It kind of reminds me, of course, of Superman. As was said, he was faster than a speeding bullet. Uh, He could jump tall buildings in a single bound. He was stronger than a locomotive. But yet, if you could find some kryptonite, you could just, you could do him in. All you need is a bar of kryptonite, whatever, if you, if you could get that, uh, you could win the battle. And then we're going to notice here in verse 1 down through verse number 8, the only weakness that God has, and I believe that it'd do us well to meditate on this and uh, to consider this, I'm thinking about, so you can get my application of what, Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He said, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, Paul was simply saying, I'm the weak link in this matter of the gospel, this matter of the cross, in this matter of the work. The only weak link in the work of God is sitting before me right now and the only weak link in the work of God is standing before you right now. I'm talking about the weakness of the Lord is found. I'm talking about we're looking, we're looking at Elijah and we're seeing the only weak link in God's word. So let's look at this and I want to notice 3 things about this truth. Of, in we- of weakness, and, and I, I want us to, to embrace it and to understand it and let us, let us understand that there is a work of God in our lives even in the midst of our weaknesses. Look in verse number 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And of course, we preached in that text last night if you went on down we saw the mighty power of God as the fire came down on the altar and of course as Elijah slew those false prophets and then as the rain fell the great work had been accomplished through the man of God. But Ahab goes back and whines to his wife and tells her withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he, notice how this is word, when he saw that, not when he heard it, when he saw that, he's seen a vision of of what she's saying coming to pass. He arose and went for his life, came to Beersheba that belongeth to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. He requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my fathers. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb the mount of God. I'm thinking about this matter of Weakness, as far as the prophet is concerned. But I want to make application to weakness in your life and weakness in my life. I'm thinking about, of course, the negatives of weakness, but we may not be aware of it, but there are some positives in our weaknesses if we can see them as the scripture reveals them. Now, three things that I would point out to you. They see Elijah. He's on the scene here. He's shown them the word of the Lord, the ways of the Lord, but but I'm sure he doesn't want to show them any weakness. But he does because that's reality. Truth of the matter is, the best that we want to be, we realize within ourselves that that we are weak. But thank God he is strong. But there are three things. Let me mention them to you. First of all, I notice in my text that Jezebel is at her best in Elijah's weakness. She comes on the scene, of course. She's the daughter of a Baalite priest. And she's very mighty. She's high up in the government. She's married to, she's not the daughter of a king, but she's married to the king. She is very strong, very strong. And uh, not only is she strong, she's mean. When we read the history of this woman, we realize that there's nothing beyond uh, the doings of her wicked heart. Uh, What she did to Naboth concerning that field just so it could be given to her husband was so vile. And it was so wicked that God brought a curse upon her. She's mighty, she's mean. But in our text, she's worse than that. She's mad. I tell you, it's one thing to have a mighty woman and a mean woman. But when you get a mad woman, you're in bad shape. I had an aunt back in the mountains of West Virginia. She was a a good woman. And uh, she didn't ever want to live where there was any pavement. Always wanted to live up a holler. And when I went and lived with her from time to time because of my family situation, the creek bed was the road. The only way to get to their house was in and out of the creek bed. And, uh, but when, before she married my, my dad's brother, she had been married before. And I'd been to the courthouse where she was tried. She took me there just as a, a kid. We went by there one Sunday just driving by and she pointed it out. And what had happened, her husband was a drunk. And he had beat her up and left, but as he left, she said, if you ever come home, if you ever come back, I will kill you. Obviously, he didn't believe her, so he came back, and she took a shotgun and blowed him halfway in, too. Now, she was a good woman. Uh, You just didn't want to make her mad. I mean, I know her well. She was a good woman. I remember one day standing on the front porch, of that house up that holler and there was an old pickup that came driving up the creek there and stopped and two drunks got out. And uh, they tried to make excuses, I guess, to try to get into the house. And they told her, first of all, we want to use your telephone. And uh, no, they wanted to get a drink of water and she said, well, the well's right there between us and it was out there in the yard. And, And then they changed the tune and said, well, can we come in and use the telephone? Well, she wore an apron all the time. And inside that apron, she had a double barrel Derringer. And I didn't know she was like Annie Oakley because she gave no warning. She gave them no warning. I'm standing beside her not even expecting this, and all of a sudden, she pulls that thing out and fires it twice, and I see the water skipping right in front of them drunks. Now, you're talking about two drunks sobering up. They got sober quick. <laughs> they got in that truck and got out of there. Well, I want to tell you, she was a good woman. You just didn't want to make her mad. Her daughter married this old boy, and he turned out to be a drunk, and he beat, beat her daughter up, and she came home. He made the mistake of coming over there after her, and she shot him. Didn't kill him, put him in the hospital. But she was a good woman. You just didn't want to make her mad. And here in our text, we find Jezebel seems to be at her best as a mighty, mean, mad woman. But what happens is, is, is Jezebel seems to shed light on Elijah in ways that we had never known and would have never known. It is the strength and It is the subtlety, it is the letter, it is the words of this woman. It is this woman that reveals the weakness of this man of God. Can I say to you, no matter who you are, no matter how strong you may think you may be, no matter how dominant you may seem to be, There is always someone or something that can reveal. It is strong enough to reveal what your weaknesses are. And may I say to you, we would have never known anything but the greatness of Elijah had it not been for Jezebel. But it is Jezebel in her meanness and madness that reveals to us that even Elijah himself has a weakness. And think about this. While it may be embarrassing to us to think that someone else might find out that we're not as strong as they think we are because of who we are, God really doesn't take a lot of care in letting that be known. Isn't it amazing? We could have went for all of these hundreds, yea, even thousands of years knowing nothing about Elijah but his greatness, but his praying, and how that he prayed to stop rain and he prayed to start rain, and how he prayed fire down out of heaven on three occasions. And how he's able to take his mantle and split the Jordan. And those great, uh, I'll tell you, miraculous things as he was able to raise a boy from the dead. That would have been all that we'd have ever known. And that would have been all that we would have ever needed to know except God wanted us to know something else. He wanted us to know that this was a man. This was though he was. Hey, 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 hey. It, all, it won't be too embarrassing when folks find out that you're not Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> and as a matter of fact, God in measures and ways that only he decrees will let it be known. And I'll tell you, if you hang around anybody long enough, They find out that you're human. I mean, your wife knows you're human. Your husband knows you're human. Hey, your children know you're human. And as they, as you get older, they begin to. I'm going to tell you a lot of these weaknesses in our lives sometimes become humorous because they'll sit around and talk about it and turn it into a joke. But what they're really saying is, "Dad, you're really weak in that area, aren't you? Or mother, you're really weak in that area, aren't you? Or, or, or you've really got no constraint when it comes to that." It reveals. It reveals who we are. I, 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 I would simply say to you that this is an outside view. This is an an outside view of the weakness of Elijah. God not only let Elijah's weakness be known, he let David's weakness be known, he let Abraham's weakness be known, he let Noah's weakness be known, he let Paul's weakness be known. And look here, for 2,000 years, here it is that it's been penned that you and I could read and study 1 uh, Kings chapter number 19 and find out that Elijah was a man and a weak man when it came Almighty Jezebel. So I say to you, someone or something will be at its best when it comes to revealing to everybody else <laughs> that you've got flaws. You've got faults. That you are weak. You are weak. Now, the second thing that I would point out to you is not only is Jezebel at her best in Elijah's weakness, but Elijah seems to be at his worst during the time of his weakness. My goodness, you think about this great prophet had you interviewed him a day before this? <laughs> My goodness, what a man that he was. What a mighty man that he was. Had you interviewed Moses before he ever killed that Egyptian and hit him in the sand? Well, what an interview you would have had. He said, Moses, you know uh, yeah, oh yeah, he said, I've been schooled, I know I've been taught, I've learned everything there is. As a matter of fact, I'm getting kind of bored. I'm thinking about doing something great. I'm gonna do something great. Matter of fact, I'm planning. what I've been thinking was I'm thinking that maybe God would let me, suppose, as Stephen said he supposed. I'm thinking maybe God would just let me go out there and lead the children of Israel. That's what I'm thinking. I could do that. <laughs> but it is here in this text. That if you, you don't even have to interview him here. The interview is, has been made that, that he is at his worst at this moment and at this time. This thing that, is, this, that, that gives us an outside view of his witness as far as Jezebel is concerned, now we see an inside view of his weakness. His weakness. Not only do, do others know that He is weak, He is weak, and blessed be the day when folks find out that you're not God. it be all right when your children find out that you're, I'm going to tell you, you're not an angel. It'll be all right when folks find out that, as I say, you're not Jesus that you're just one of us. That'll be okay from the outside. But I'm gonna tell you what really needs to happen is there has to be a work on the inside where you are convinced of yourself that you're not as powerful as you one time thought you were and you are susceptible to weakness when your opinion of yourself becomes lower than what you used to think. Notice in this text, she sends him a letter. I, and uh, in verse number two, three, four, and five, things just start to go wrong on the inside. He begins to feel and sense that, that this is something that he cannot handle. This is something that's bigger than he is. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? When God has allowed you, so to speak, to stand alone to find out who you really are, because, honey, you cannot ever help anybody with where they're at and what they're going through until you find out who you really are. And it is in this, uh, in this time, in this, in this position that he has an anxiety attack. <laughs> Now, we men, we think that's a sissy thing, that only women have anxiety attacks. Uh, Only those that are weak, I'll tell you, get in this kind of a condition. Just shape up, pull it together. What's the matter with you, Elijah? What, I mean, you know, be the man you ought to be. Can you imagine talking to him, taking him to the psychologist or whatever? Oh, come on. aren't you a prophet? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am. I think I am. At least I, I used to be. <laughs> Can you see him all nervous? <laughs> well, what did you mean to tell me you're letting this woman in some letter? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Did you read that letter? Read that letter. Oh, what she said that letter. <laughs> I'm afraid she's going to kill me is what I'm afraid of. <laughs> well, I thought you just got through praying that, you want God to kill you? Well, I don't know what I want. I just—I'm all confused. I don't want her to kill me, but maybe God can. Kill. You see where he's at? Yeah, that's right. yeah, that's right. An anxiety attack, I guess you would call it. Because here, if you'll notice in this text, nothing seems to be right. That's right. He sees things wrong because the Bible said when he saw. I remember one day at the house. When I was pastoring, I woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning and I wanted some milk. I don't know why, but I just said I wanted a glass of milk. Enough moonlight on the outside to where I just made my way down the hall into the kitchen, made a left. Right there was the refrigerator. and I went to get the handle on the refrigerator, opened the door up to get the milk. What I didn't know was is that my wife had gotten up also before I got up. I didn't know she was roaming around. <laughs> and just to the right of me was a, a, an opening there without a door in it, an opening there that went into the dining room. And she, she had made her way, I guess, going. I hadn't asked her yet what, what she was doing there. But she was standing right there in a white gown. I went to grab the handle on the refrigerator. I turned and I screamed bloody murder. I couldn't see a head. I couldn't see no arms. I couldn't see no legs. All I could see was a spook standing right there. I went from wanting a glass of milk to who knows what. I was scared to death. Elijah is scared to death. He is seeing things wrong. He's not only seeing things wrong, he's acting wrong. You can see by his reactions to this, how he goes and i tell you, hunts him up a juniper tree, kind of like Jonah to get under there and feel sorry for himself. He prays wrong. He's asking God to kill him. He thinks wrong he tells God. He said, well, God, far as I'm concerned, I'm the only one left that hadn't kneeled, bowed the knee uh, to Baal. That ain't right. God said, I got 7,000 that hadn't done that. You're just seeing everything wrong. And he goes wrong where he travels and, and uh, where he goes to run In the place that he is right here. Everything seems to be wrong. Those times in your life when you can't make the connections and your faith doesn't seem to be strong. And it seems as though that there's other things that are affecting you and you don't know what to do nor how to get out of it in other words it's you're we're not only seeing the outside view of his weakness we are now seeing the inside view well I just want to ask you have you ever been there if you hadn't you will if you hadn't you will Because not only, notice how I phrase it, not only will it not be too embarrassing when other folks find out that you're not Jesus, it won't be too bad when you find out you're not Jesus. And that you're not strong enough. And that you don't have the strength for the journey. Now I'll tell you, you can ask my wife, don't look at her right now, But you can't ask her, and she will tell you I am a wonderful husband. That I am a great father and a superb Christian. As long as everything's going my way. (laughs) But honey, I'm going to tell you, when things get bad, and I'm going to tell you, when things get uh, tough, And the way it gets hard to just see, it seems like it magnifies things inside of me that I did not even know existed. Simon Peter did not know that within him was the ability to deny Christ until the hour came. Elijah does not know that there is the ability uh, within him to get into this condition until the hour came. But may I say unto you that it is God, the same God who orchestrated everything that had happened upon Mount Carmel, is the same God that could have taken this chapter and could have caused it not to even have taken place, but he allowed it to be so because he wanted everybody else to know what he wanted Elijah to know, and that is you're not strong enough for the journey, and you do have weaknesses, and you are not Jesus. We have a friend back in Georgia. We joke about it. His name is Ben Wright. Ben Wright. He always says, well, I ain't never been wrong. He said, a matter of fact, my wife wasn't right until she married me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If we don't ever get, I mean, if that outside view doesn't come and that inside view doesn't come, that's the attitude we're going to have. And it's going to make us. Angry, it's going to make us mad when others seem to imply that there is a fault or that there is a perfection or there is something in our life that is less than perfect. Better world for you and better world for me. Once it is known, thank God that you are imperfect and that you too need the help of the Lord. Oh! The only weak link is, is, is him And God's letting it be known It looked like the Lord would cover all that up But he doesn't cover all of that up He wants everybody else to know And he wants you to know Who you really are But the last thing I want you to see In this matter of his weakness Jezebel is at her best and Elijah's weakness, Elijah is at his worst in his weakness. Used to have a little old pickup as one of them Ford couriers. Find this little old sewing machine in there under the hood you ever seen. Purr like a kitten. Until you got it on a gravel road. I mean a bumpy road, potholes. And what you found out is what you didn't know for sure and I, you didn't know before. I didn't know when I bought it and that, and that there had built up in that gas tank a lot of debris of sorts had accumulated. But it would lie on the bottom as long as you was riding on a smooth road, paved road. But I tell you, one day I got off on Gouges Creek Got up in there three or four miles and that thing started spitting and sputtering and jerking. And it didn't take me long to realize. I said, you know, they must be something. This car is one of them older ones, you know, where you had the carburetor and the filter and you could work on it yourself, you know. So I got out under the hood and I took the hose loose and I blew out that filter and got it all cleaned out and put it together and and, uh, started her right up and she purred like a kitten again. But the further I went on that gravel road, the more she'd do it, I'll tell you, again and again and again. So what I had to learn is I couldn't go where there was potholes and gravel roads. I had to ride where it's smooth. And I tell you, it ain't too bad when life is smooth. You can talk about what kind of good Christian you are when all the bills are paid and you got a good report from the doctor's office and I tell you, the wife's just kissed you on the cheek and all the young ones are acting real nice and everything's going real good. Why, you can just talk about how wonderful being a Christian is and how good a Christian you are. But it's another thing when Jezebel gets after you. It's another thing when the road gets rocky. It's another thing, honey, when hell gets turned loose and you really find out what's going on, what's on the inside. The storm will stir it up. The storm, I'll tell you, will bring it up from the bottom. It's been there all the time. It didn't create it. It just showed it up. Jezebel, just a showing it up. Don't get mad at others when they make you mad. You've had madness in you. They just brought it out of you. Yeah, how about that? That's good preaching. That's good. Say amen. 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 I'm trying to help you. Oh, you're telling right, Heard about an old fella that went by this yard sale young boy had a, motors, uh, a lawnmower for sale. Yeah, and uh, he bought it and took it home. And the thing wouldn't even crank. Pulled and pulled and pulled. Wasn't too far away, so he took it back. Told that boy, he said, now, son, he said, it's a lawnmower you sold me. You said, well, your dad, and didn't it's a good law. He said, I can't even get it to fire up. Or oh, he said, well, he said, the problem is, he said, the only way you can get that lawnmower to start is, that you got to curse it. So my daddy get mad and curse it and it'd fire up. He said, son, I'm a Christian. He said, I've been saved so long, I forgot how to curse. He said, keep a pull and it'll come to you. <laughs> 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 I'm amazed after, I'm talking about, I've been saved 49 years. I'm amazed at what will come to me. I'm going to tell you when all these tribulations arises and, and the Jezebel's rise up and the letters come and all those other things. <laughs> when you're pulling the fifth wheel down the road and you hear the explosions and the pops and the cracks as, as me and the brother was talking about, it'll bring the worst out of you. <laughs> I'm telling on myself. We had, when I first got this camper, we had, if I had one blowout a month, I was happy. That's the truth. I'm telling you, that's the truth. One blowout a month. If I was riding down the road, I thought it was something spiritual. The Lord was trying to teach me something. One of them blew out, and I was on the side of the road, and and I thought, Lord, you know, I'm having these blowouts, and and I'm changing this tire. What are you trying to say to me? He said, get out of the road. You're going to get run over. (laughs) That's all I got out of it. <laughs> well, I tell you, one day I'd had enough. I mean, I was at Wits End. I heard it go, come boom. I went into an Indian war dance. I don't know what they're thinking. I was going up down the road. I'm gonna throw this thing away when I get back. It's gone. I'm gonna blow it up. Hester said, "Would you be quiet? Get the wrench and let's change this tire." <laughs> and don't look at me, Mr. Saintly, You've been there. As an outside view, as an inside view. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But lastly, I want us to look at the upside view. Jezebel's at her best in Elijah's weakness, Elijah's at his worst during his weakness, but it's in this text that we can embrace what God wants us to know most about our weakness. There is a treasure. That is to be discovered in this matter of weakness. And he allows God. I mean, the thing about it is, don't let it embarrass you to realize that others know, others know that you've got weakness. And thank God when you know you have weaknesses, but hallelujah, be glad that God Almighty knows all about your weaknesses and has known about our weaknesses. There are lessons to learn as far as this weakness is concerned. Can I mention uh, three of them? The first thing that he learns is mercy. I tell you, I didn't even need, I, I not only needed mercy before I got saved, but I'm glad his mercies are new every day. Mercy. God showed him Mercy. Did you notice somebody said, well, how did he give him mercy? Well, the first thing was he didn't answer his prayer. I'm glad the Lord hadn't answered all my prayers. (laughs) I didn't have sense enough to know what I was praying, let alone it being answered. And I'm going to tell you, in the emotions of things, we pray a lot of things that God in mercy does not give an answer for that thing. That's right. He said, God, would you kill me? <laughs> and God showed him mercy in the midst of his weakness. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Mercy. Well, how much mercy has gotten you to where you're at right now? Yes, sir. Let's all just lift your heads. How much mercy has gotten you? Thank you. These young people need to know there's some mercy along the way for the imperfections of our lives. Amen. He not only showed not only did not answer his prayer, but he knew what he needed and provided it. The Bible said that verse 5 as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, the angel touched him and said arise and eat and of course in verse 7 the angel touched him the second time and said arise and eat in other words he knew he needed strength and so he gave him what would produce the strength I find that in the ministry so many times I feel so weak and inadequate to do what God has commanded me to do and uh, Somehow in the midst of it, and my only dependence has to be upon Him, He strengthens me. I say to my wife, and sometimes I say, You know, I just don't know. I, I, I just don't feel like I, I can do I feel like. There are times I'll tell her, I said, Call and tell that preacher I'm sick. She said, You ain't sick. I said, Well, yeah, I am. I, I feel sick anyway. <laughs> times may I be honest with you and say there are times somebody say well why I get tired of hearing my own voice <laughs> right. and if you do anything enough it, you, there is the tendency of it to lose it's freshness yes. but oh isn't God merciful yes, sir. Thank God. When you don't even deserve it and I'll, find my, I'll go in and sit down and say oh God you're expecting me to say something sure. to these folks and I don't have anything yeah. to say And here he comes. (laughs) Maybe I'll have to get up and read the text and get into the message before I feel that he has taken over in his mercy. You see, the reason why he's going to let you feel and sense your weakness is because he wants you to sense his mercy. So that when it is over with, you're going to say, oh God, I don't even know why you didn't just go ahead and kill me. Why did you give me that strength? I want to thank you for your mercy. I need it every day. He allowed him to find rest. That is his mercy. It is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. He learned something about mercy. Now I've already preached it, but I just want to say it right here again. He learned something about frailty. Now, it's not how low you'll go. It's how low you realize you can go that will keep you from going that low. Are you understand what I'm saying? It's being honest with yourself and seeing the possibilities of the worst of the worst that can keep you from going to that place where it is so bad. But what God has to know is let you know is not only His mercy, but He let you, He has to let you sense your frailty. I thought about Moses. You know, the first time we find him, he's the "I can," as I've already said, "I can, I can." But God, through the oppression of Egypt, after He slew that Egyptian soldier, and I'm going to tell you, He got so. I mean, so, uh, so much of an anxiety attack, schizophrenic, if you will, that uh, he moved, he went on to the backside of the desert and, and the next time we find him, God shows up and he says, okay, he went from I can I can, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can. Well, I'm gonna tell you something, you're a whole lot better than I can than you are in I can. Because I'm gonna tell you, in I can, you're gonna get hurt and you're gonna hurt somebody. Could you imagine if God had allowed Moses to succeed in Egypt under the I can attitude? And he would have in himself tried to lead the children of Israel through some program of his own because God would have not have talked to him. God would have showed him nothing in the I can. And he would have had in his own energy, he, could have, he would have talked to men, come on, follow me. I killed that Egyptian. I'll lead you out of here. And when they got to the Red Sea, what under God's heaven would they do? Thank God he found out he was weak in time. Amen. I think about Simon Peter, so strong and so independent and, and I'm gonna tell you, so self-sufficient. And the Lord saying to him, you will betray me. And thank God he found out on that night what kind of man he was and how weak he was. Could you imagine him on the day of Pentecost had he not failed and stood up, here's how the sermon went. Men and brethren, y'all ought to know me by now. I'm the one, you asked all the other disciples, the Lord gave me the keys to the kingdom. Matter of fact, I don't know if y'all heard this, I'm thinking about writing a book about it. I walked on water. I'm the one of the disciple of the dead. And I was the one up on the mount to transfigure one of the three. I just wanna got to do the talking up there. And I'm gonna tell you, blah, 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 blah. And three hundred souls would have died and went to hell on a message like that. But honey, he found out who he really was. He found out his frailty and he stood up on the day of Pentecost and he didn't even mention himself. He said, men and brethren, this same Jesus whom ye have crucified, he has raised him up and made him both Lord and Christ. And 3,000 souls were birthed into the family of God because, because Moses went from the I can to the I can't and when God showed her, he said, son, it ain't in I can, I can't. It's in the I am. He teaches him something about his mercy. He teaches him something about frailty as he has to teach you and as he has to teach me. But I want you to notice with me lastly that he teaches him something about God's ability. He teaches him something about energy. Where do we get the energy for the journey? How in the world are we going to keep on? Well notice, the Bible said the angel of the Lord, verse 7, came again the second time, touched him, and said arise and eat because the journey is always too great for thee. Are you hearing me? Raising youngins is too much for you. Providing for the family is too much for you. Determining the outcome of your uh, your health is too much for you. Marriage is too much for you. Look in verse 8. He arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights under horror of the mount of God. And you can look it up and figure it out. And my wife just did it uh, again today or yesterday. 200 miles on two meals. Wouldn't, your, why, wouldn't you wives like to have a recipe like that for Brutus? Always oh, coming home rubbing his belly, and I'm hungry. Getting them Lord, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Two meals, 200 miles, 40 days. You say where'd that come from? The strength of the Lord. Honey, he is learning something out of this matter of weakness. There is an upside to it. And it is this, is that your weakness will cause you not to look within, nor look without, but your weakness will cause you to look up if you know God, to cry out that he would give you the strength you need for the journey. Jesus said it right. Without me, you can't do what? But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengtheneth me. And Jesus, uh, the Lord said to Paul, he said, Paul, what you don't understand and what you need to understand about your weaknesses is my strength is made perfect now don't ask me to, as the old mountain fella said to explain that I ain't gonna try to but that's what he said my strength is made perfect in weakness so you mean to tell me God can get some glory out of weakness yeah yeah (laughs) because he knew it all the time and what he's doing is he's working us in our weakness and through our weaknesses and with our weaknesses that we might find his strength. Are you hearing me? <laughs> now, a little straight that and close. Back when we went into evangelism, we took the little old thousand square foot house that my wife had inherited on a farm. And... Uh, Began to really rebuild it is what happens, you know, because you can't fix one thing in them old houses that you've got to fix two. And that's another thing. That'll find, you'll find your weaknesses there, sure enough. <laughs> 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 but we built a carport onto it. <clears throat> to do so, of course, we had to lay the, the uh, what do you call it, the f- Yeah, whatever. (laughs) And uh, so I'm, of course, about saving money. Didn't have none, no way. So I had a preacher friend. He said, now, I'll tell you what. He said, I got a floater. Does anybody here know what a floater is for cement? He said, I got a floater. He said, I'll bring it over. I'll take five minutes, show you how to do it, and then I'll leave, and it'll save you that much money. I said, well, that sounds good to me. So he brought it over, and I'll never forget. They had poured that cement and, you know, kind of sm- grated it out and whatever. And, and he took that floater. It's, if you, for those that don't know, it's kind of like, looks like kind of the handle of it. It looks like a like, push lawnmower, but it's got the, the, the grip big old blade. It looks like a big old fan on the bottom of it with a motor sitting on top of it. And then you got this handle back here. Is that pretty good, Robert, somewhere around there? And uh, <laughs> while I'm doing the preaching, I'll just explain it the best I can. Anyway, he set it down there, and he 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 got that thing. He flipped the button on that thing. got it started, and he just you know he's just moving around like that. Real soon. And he done it about he flipped it off. He said, "Now, here you go." He said, "You take over," and said, "You can smooth that out. It won't take you long." And I said, "Okay." So I got up there, and I'm gonna tell you a stout-looking machine. And I thought, man, I'm gonna have to put some power into this thing. And so I got one hand and I gripped it. You see the white on my knuckles? And I went and I hit that switch and I put the other hand on it and it started rocking. And it really started bouncing. I mean, literally bounced. Me and it all the way out. I was cutting grass. You asked my wife, I was cutting grass with it. I said, man, what? He said, whoa, wait a minute. He said, you're putting too much into it. No, let me show you how to do it. It ain't that hard. We picked it back up and set it back over. He said, now watch me. And he, took, he hit the button and he got it and it's just smooth as silk. I said, well, I think I can do that. So he said, okay, your turn. I went over there and I put my hand on it and I flipped the switch and I got a little nervous and every time I got a little nervous, I gripped a little harder and then boom, boom, boom. Right back out, I was cutting grass again. Tell you the truth. He said, preacher, what you don't know is that machine doesn't need you. Amen. Just a guide a little bit, a little energy. He said, it'll do all the work itself if you won't try to overpower it. But it's so hard not to. You just feel like you've got to put something into it. And so I went over there and I, I just barely laid my hand on it. I flipped it and it sat there Okay. And I just kind of hit it a little bit and it it went pretty good. And I put the other hand on it, but then I I got a little nervous. But but when I started to grip, I felt it begin to rock. So I just backed off. And after a few minutes, I realized that if I just let it work itself, it'd do the job. Believe it or not, I floated that out while I was afloating it the Holy Ghost said now listen just entering into evangelism he said this thing ain't as tough as what you think it's going to be because I'd already been me and the wife been sitting down pen and paper and done figured it up we couldn't afford to go into evangelism and that it wasn't going to add up and I talked to some other evangelists and they said you can't live out of the offering and I mean I, all the advice I got was saying it's going to be hard so I was fixing to put my hands on evangelism and it did. But just in time, the Holy Ghost delivered me. He said, I don't need as much of you as what I, you think I need of you. If you'll let me do it, I can do it. Hallelujah. Amen. What Elijah realizes is God doesn't need as much of him as what he thought he did. The Lord is able to do exceeding Abundantly above all we ever ask or think. This weakness has a outside view. Others can see it and Jezebel can stir it up. It has an inside view. That's where you begin to realize what's really in it. But it has a upside. God knows in his mercy and his energy and his power he can work through us